enjoy my sailors. My sailors make it all worth it to be able to watch them from, you know, young petty officers to now chief, senior chiefs and master chiefs is phenomenal. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tinker Talks. This is your audio format podcast that talks about all things behind the air, the behind the fence line of Tinker Air Force Base. I'm your host, Mark Hybers, joined alongside with April McDonald. April, good afternoon. Good afternoon. And it could be morning. You don't know. <laughs> we um, don't. But I promise you, you're not seeing this live or hearing it live, but it is the afternoon. So, um, April, I'm kind of excited for today's podcast. I am too. This Very excited. Something we've been meaning to do for a long time and uh, have not been able to coordinate schedules and actually tried to figure out how to talk about it without... Uh, breaking any rules of OPSEC violation security. But um, with that said, we are going to talk to about a very, very big, important mission partner here at Tinker Air Force Base, and that's our Navy folks that are here on board. So um, with that, we are going to talk to the Strategic Communications Wing 1 Commander. That's Commodore. That is, yeah. Captain Cedric Jessup. And morning, sir. First, just to jump right out, I I don't, I had served in the Navy a couple thousand years ago. (laughs) We were floating wooden ships, um, but I don't recall having used the term Commodore back in those days. Is that more recent? Actually, no. Actually, Commodore goes back, uh, uh, it's pretty historic, uh, to be honest with you. So Commodore used to be an admiral, like your first star, your first uh, one-star admiral. Um, and we actually changed it over, actually, in the, in the uh, mid-'80s. Um, is when we actually changed it to where now it's a senior captain, mm-hmm. 06 type, and not an admiral. Uh, but the Commodore uh, still is a designation. It's more so a title than a rank, right. you know, uh, today that basically uh, delineates that you are over um, uh, pretty much a wing from the aviation side or even a group, um, uh, a ship uh, uh, battle group uh, for that matter. Um, on, we call him a Desron is the Commodore there on the ship side. So, right. um, but yeah, but it's actually a title now. So basically delineating what you're over instead of actually a rank, but it used to be actually a rank. So it was actually pretty historic. It went many okay. years. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought it went way back to, you know, the early, early it days. Did. But I yeah. remember just we always called our, our uh, captain Skipper. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> or they could have been a commander at yeah. that time, depending yeah. on the size of the ship or the, the command. But yes, anyway, right. with that, sir, um, welcome to the podcast. No, thank Thanks you. Thanks so for having much me. for taking yeah. time out of your day. Um, yeah. I know you're very busy. Um, but first off, before we get into the, the topic, can you just give us a little bit of background about who you are, uh, kind of how you got to this point in your career? Yeah, well, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. I'll be the first one to tell you that I would not have ever imagined um, my life, let's put it that way, or even my career for that matter, as, uh, as gotten to this point. You know, um, I grew up in a very small town in uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina. If you ever watched the Andy Griffith show, um, they uh, they base the show off of my hometown, actually. Oh, wow. um, wow. Andy Griffith actually graduated from my high school. So a really small town. It's like pretty much everybody knew each other, you know, in, in the hometown. You, I mean, you, I would ride my bike down the street and just waving at everybody sitting on the porch, you know, just rocking in <laughs> rocking chairs, you know. Um, but we actually had, like, you know, the uh, Floyd's Barbershop, Aunt B's Diner, and all that all that good jazz. So it was pretty, pretty neat, yeah. And uh, there's actually words to the whistling songs. So so I actually had to learn those when I was in high school. So lo and behold, you know, coming out of a small town like that, I would have never imagined, you know, uh, becoming the Commodore of an entire wing um, here in uh, Oklahoma City, especially in Oklahoma. For I mean, I'm United States Navy, United Air right. Force. And so, um, 
But again, uh, went to college and actually I joined the Air Force ROTC in this in you know because I wanted to fly, you know. So I actually been wanting to fly since I was 11 years old, and uh, my father had taken me to an air show at a young age, and I fell in love with all the aerobatics that the aircraft were doing, you know, in the air. And then, you know, uh, and I, I told my mom one day, she I was like, I want to be a pilot, you know. Mom, of course, my mom says you know, baby, you can do whatever you want to do, baby, you know? And I was like, okay, you know, so I actually wrote it down. So I wrote it down and actually created some steps on how I was going to get there. Wow. You know, and, and this was at when I was 11 and I, I, seriously, (laughs) and I actually put it up in in the bathroom on the mirror. And, um, and, and so the steps have morphed, you know, since then it was pretty basic back then, you know, and so they've kind of morphed, you know, since then. But when I got to college and I joined the Air Force RTC and I'll never forget, um, great guy. I'm actually still friends with him today. He was a, he was the debt RTC instructor there at, at North Carolina A&T State University where I graduated from, which is the HBCU. And so they had never given a pilot slot to any any of the students coming out of there to the Air Force. And so the, the Colonel Ronnie E. Murphy, he pulled me in his office one day and said, hey, um, Cedric, we can put you on scholarship. Um, but you can't be a pilot. It's like we've never had, you know, them select a pilot out of here, mm. you know, and uh, and and I, I looked at him. I was like, well, sir, I'm, I apologize, but I'm, I'm probably wasting your time. I was like, I don't want to do anything else but fly. Mm. And so um, so I actually called up the Navy recruiter in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I said, um, I said, hey, is there an opportunity that I could come fly for the Navy? And he was like, well, come on up. We're going to have you take the OCS um, candidate test and see if you see what you qualify for. And uh, we'll go from there. So I qualified for pilot, and because uh, I'd already been flying through CAP, Civil Air Patrol, and um, and uh, and then gave me an OCS date, and then I went through flight school, and lo and behold, here I am today. But it's kind of you know even, even an interesting trip there because I actually started off flying helicopters first, wow. and then oh, I flew wow. helicopters for about five years <clears throat> before transitioning over to jets. And then uh, flew 737, 707. So now I'm, I'm pretty much on my eighth aircraft right now since I've flown in the uh, in the Navy, which is pretty cool. That wow. is cool. Yeah. So uh, and again, the Commodore for the nuclear deterrence asset for the United States government, which is uh, also pretty cool. That's pretty, that is. That <laughs> is. Pretty cool is a little minor understatement. <laughs> <laughs> so, sir, before we carry on, I yep. got to know, did you take the checklist off of the mirror and make it a kneeboard? You, you know, I wish I, I wish I, I wish I still had it today because I, I really would like to because I, I remember kind of vaguely exactly what I put on there. I think I just put college. Air Force Airlines, and that's all that was on there. You know, of course, that morphed into you know more steps. There's more steps to get to you know to the point I am here today. But I wish I had actually did that and kept it and kind of framed yes. it. You know, so well, I think for yeah. from myself speaking personally, I think I'm glad to see that you got out of the helicopters. I remember yeah. being stationed on an aircraft carrier and watching the Sea Kings always disappear oh, yeah. over <laughs> they're, as they're coming in the land. They disappear for a minute, and yeah, you'd see them back come up. back up over the top. Oh yeah, and come on deck. <laughs> I always felt that those those uh, pilots were extraordinarily brave. Oh just, yeah, just to lift up off the deck and and take a ride. Oh man, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I had some I had some uh, some very uh, hair you know nail biting uh, times on the flying helicopter, especially over in the East Philippine Sea and the East China Sea when the sea state was just rocking and mm. trying to get that helicopter back on a small boy, which oh. we call frigates, cruisers, and destroyers were always a little, a little sketchy. So that's a lot of moving around. That's yes, awesome. <laughs> um, so sir, let, let me ask you, you've, you started out from a small town. Um, you already talked about some of the barriers that you yeah. broke just getting to, to become a pilot, yeah. uh, which you wanted to do. So um, you're only the second person of color to lead Takamo. 
Affirmative. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, the first being uh, the retired Rear Admiral Dwight Shepard. Yes. Can you tell us how that feels to you to to come up, you know, breaking barriers like that and following? The, yeah. The, well, I tell you, um, retired Admiral Shepard is actually has been one of my mentors for many years, of course, and uh, uh, just his you know friendship and mentorship has is really guided me along this way. Um, and uh, being able to follow definitely in his footsteps on, on what the barriers that even he broke, you know, to get to this point. I mean, and, you know, and, and, and not to say the least, the, you know, to even, you know, get this far. We're a very small community. So, you know, the opportunities are, are pretty, pretty small, you know, in Tacomo because of, of what we do. Um, in our mission, you know, it, it's highly you know, scrutinized and highly selective, um, you know, but I am I'm definitely humbled and very appreciative of, uh, of the blessing. I'm going to be honest with you, the blessing that has been bestowed upon to be able to sit in this position today. Um, the, uh, you know, following uh, Admiral Shepard um, and, uh, and definitely the milestones that, you know, that he he broke to get to this point. Currently, right now, even across the United States Navy and aviation world, there's only two of us that are um, actually um, African-American that are holding a Commodore position um, across Naval Aviation currently. And that's on both the East Coast, West Coast. It's actually myself and um, uh, Captain Dewan Cheney, who's also a good friend of mine. Um, and uh, we keep in contact, but uh, we're the only two currently that are sitting in the seat, you know, uh, and, you know, the, the Navy has, has tried for many years to, to try to increase definitely minority representation across the board. It's a tough, it's a tough bill. I'm going to be honest with you. You got to have incentives. You got to have, you know, opportunities and you really have to have a person that, that wants to be here and wants to strive to be here. Cause I'll be honest with you, I can make double of what I'm doing, you know, for what I'm doing out in the civilian, se- civilian sector. Right. But you got to have that pride for country and, and for the mission mm-hmm. uh, to, to remain for this many years. Um, I've been doing this for 24 years now, and, uh, and uh, I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy my job, and I definitely enjoy leading. Um, I enjoy my sailors. My sailors make it all worth it to be able to watch them from, you know, young petty officers to now chief, senior chiefs and master chiefs is phenomenal. That's so. awesome. What? You were pretty lucky you had a mom who was obviously very supportive. She told you early out of the gate that you could do whatever you wanted. So. And she still does. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You're, you're a lucky man, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so <clears throat> how did your time as, as wing deputy, because you were the deputy before you promoted into this position, how did that help you in your current position? Well, then I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I know – um, most services don't do this. I, I like the way the Navy has always done this. Um, uh, we do a fleet up policy, um, which is which is great, especially on the aviation side. You know, um, uh, ships um, do it to an extent as well in the Navy, but on the aviation side, we've always done a fleet up. Whether you're going into a squadron CO position, um, or whether you're going into the you know deputy commodore position, um, to where you're able to sit as a deputy watching the now commodore. Um, or if you're sitting as an XO watching the now CO, you know, operate for that for their tour. Mm-hmm. And so then once it's time for you to take the seat, you basically rotate to the next office. Um, but it's great because you already know everything that's going on. You already know the people. You already know all the other leadership, you know, the meeting schedule, how it is. You already know um, the issues that you may be having and the things you need to focus on. And so it's a great time. So I set as de- deputy in this position for 18 months. So we do 18 months as deputy, 18 months as the Commodore. And so being able to sit there for that time and actually watch and learn, uh, get to know the battle rhythm, definitely get to know the people um, is actually phenomenal. And that that really prepares you 
um, to be successful in the position um, to where you it's a seamless transition once that change of command happens. Um, uh, nothing get nothing falls off the plate, so which is great. Awesome. That is great. Yeah. So when I give tours, people are always surprised to know yeah. that there are sailors. So um, how? I mean, there you have fourteen hundred sailors, and they're in the middle of Oklahoma. You know, besides being in a landlocked state, um, yeah. what makes your your unit unique in the Navy? So you know, it's it's uh, you, you know, we actually I mean, yes, so we actually have about seventeen hundred actually here in oh, Oklahoma okay. City, which is you know, and we are. Um, station. This is the headquarters for Tacomo, um, and uh, we have an East Coast um, uh, debt site. We have uh, also the central debt site up in Omaha, Nebraska, and then we also have another one in, in uh, Travis Air Force Base out in, out in California. Um, but, you know, the sailors here in Oklahoma, and the reason why we're here in Oklahoma because of our mission. Our mission is basically one of, we have to cover three AORs. So we have the, the Atlantic, of course, those central United States, and, of course, in the Pacific. So having um, our, our command here in the central United States enables us to basically go east, west, or even up north to, to execute our mission, you know, from a central location. And this is, you know, Oklahoma City is, is, a, is a great central location, plus an added benefit is being here on an Air Force base. So the Air Force base, um, because of our jet, we're the only jet in the United States Navy that, that requires security. Um, at the level that we required it, which is um, we, we're considered uh, PO1 security, and that is uh, a security level that basically, you know, operates to where, you know, no civilian can walk up to the jet. You know, right. I can't park it out, you know, basically what I can say, you know, an uncontrolled field and just leave it and walk away and go get a hotel, you know, and I can't do that. You know, this one re- requires 24-hour security. And so the Air Force has, you know, policies and procedures that enable us to, to do that here at Tinker. Um, the Navy, we actually don't have that, you know, um, uh, so we actually have to train and that's, and that's another, you know, good reason why uh, a lot of services are going joint and a lot of the bases are going joint, you know, cause um, we have some shared characteristics that we can actually help each other out with. And the air force does a great job with helping us with this mission as well here. Right. Awesome. So, yeah. So you, we mentioned Tacamo a lot. Can you tell mm-hmm. our listeners what that means? Take charge and move out. <laughs> All right. So, you know, it's a great history, you know, behind Tacoma and how it actually came to be. So back in the uh, 1960s, you know, during the Cold War era, you know, um, basically uh, we were we, we ran into when, you know, Russia was moving, you know, the submarines and, and their ships down to the um, to Cuba. You know, we were had our submarines and we were having a hard time communicating with them. And so we decided to, like, try some low frequency band 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 waves to be able to talk to our submarines and it was having issues with that and so it was like man you know how do we fix this and so they tried to do do it on the ground and they realized that that would be a be an easy target so then it was like we need to make it mobile so it's like how about we throw it on, on an aircraft right and we could string this low frequency wire out the back of this aircraft and then we could talk to our submarines via that way mm-hmm. and lo and behold the admiral's like Make it happen. Take charge and move out. And Takamo was born. <laughs> really? That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> that's very cool. And it, it's well, not a small plane. It um, is not. They're big planes. And so yeah. you being a pilot, I wanted to ask you this question. So during the, the 2017 air show here at Tinker, mm-hmm. one of your pilots flew the E-6 the entire length of the runway, and it was probably... It couldn't have been more than 20, 30 feet off the ground. I mean, yeah. the plane was 
so close to the ground. It might have been lower than 20 feet. Yeah. How difficult a maneuver is that to fly a plane that far, that close to the ground, and, and, and then just took off? He didn't even land. He yeah. just left. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you. The, uh, you know, we, we fly Boeing 707 aircraft. Okay, so this aircraft, you know, at, at max operating weight, we're at 342,000 pounds, right? I mean, Ooh, this wow. is a heavy bird, right? Heavy bird. You know, but... The great thing about, of course, naval aviation is that, you know, I look at it, if, if you ever read the book um, uh, Outliers by, by Malcolm uh, uh, Gladwell. And so if you, you know, once you spend numerous hours, I think he references 10,000 hours doing something, you become an expert, right? Okay. So we spend countless hours training, practicing, training, practicing in naval aviation. Our flight school is two years long. Right. Wow. And that's flying various aircraft during that two year time frame. Mm-hmm. You know, so you begin very, you know, very keen to what we call the seat of the pants feel. You know, when the aircraft, you know, very slightly maybe descending or, or climbing or turning left or turning right. You know, so and then the more time that you spend in the seat, the more comfortable you get. You know, so, you know, I remember, you know, one of my first aircraft was the T-34 Charlie. And I remember I could put that aircraft anywhere I wanted to. It was a fun aircraft. I was like, man, I want to buy one of these when I retire. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a no toy. It's like, wow. you know, so, and then, so the E6 is gets, gets to that point as well. It's like, you get to the point that you've flown it so many times, you know, you know exactly what she sounds like, you know, exactly when she's angry and not acting right. And you know, when, you know, she's going to start turning on you. And so flying an aircraft, you know, so many feet off, off the deck and just streaming down the entire length of the runway, it becomes like, huh, you know, I got this. You know, I know what the sight picture is. You know, and that's one of the maneuvers. I'll be honest. We 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 actually practice when is it's it's basically putting the aircraft and basically into a flare profile, and we're we're literally less than about ten. We're about about ten feet off the deck or, or less, and just gliding down the runway, maintaining that exact same um, sight picture. And then once we get to the end of the runway, we'll call for go around thrust winch, and then we'll climb out. And so it's actually a maneuver that we practice quite a bit, you know, for, you know, for, for pilots. So, yeah. Well, it was impressive to watch. I I remember that the crowd was, was pretty excited and having been around this as long as I have, and even in the Navy for a period of time, uh, I'd never seen an aircraft that large. Yeah. I mean, I figure a fighter, a fighter jet could do it pretty easily. Oh yeah. Not one of those big ones. Um, so do E-6 also pilot aircrafts that are assigned to aircraft carriers? So, no. So it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of different, you know, with E-6s because we can't land on a carrier because we're so big, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, the pilots that initially get assigned uh, to Tacomo, pretty much, they'll stay Tacomo. Um, we have some some pilots, they'll transition out and go. they'll go fly F-18s, which do go to the carrier, this and other. But at that point, they're out of the Tacomo community, mm-hmm. you know, at that point. Um or they could be like me, where I flew helicopters first, and I'm, of course I'm going to the carrier and the small boys. But then, but then I transition out of helos, and now I'm flying the E6. So, but most pilots they they pretty much start E6 and they stay E6, you know, their entire career. Um, um, hopefully, moving up the of course the rank up the ranks. So, right. yeah, it's good to fly, not quite as often. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the wing here has an alert mission. Um, along with with all the the flying wings here, yeah. um, is it similar to an alert mission on board an aircraft? Does that does it work the same way? Kinda. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's very similar, um, but um, you know, uh, I look at it. You know, from the alert. So you're at like a ready five. Mm-hmm. All right, on the aircraft carrier. So you may be may be sitting in a ready a ready five position. Is basically, you're sitting in the cockpit. And you're waiting for the air boss to say, go, right? right. You know, and you're just waiting, you know. Um, whereas um, we are, 
actually on deck, we're on ground, you know, this, that, other. I mean, our guys could be asleep. I mean, they could be in the racks, you know, knocked out. And then we get what's called a klaxon, all right? It's basically it's an alarm that goes off in our alert facility. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows exactly what that means. That means get dressed ASAP, <laughs> run to the jet, and get her off deck. You know, hopefully we never, I'm going to be honest with you, so we practice this all the time. Again, just like, you know, anything, you know, we practice this all the time. But um, hopefully we never have to really do it. And hopefully we never actually get, you know, for real clacks. And I remember one time um, I was standing alert and, um, and uh, you know, I knew a couple guys that went over to the exchange. But we always got to maintain what we call of our minimum alert crew at the at the alert facility. So we always have a ready crew ready to go at all times. Even if some guys go to the gym to send other, we always have a ready crew ready to go. And so I remember I was sitting there and I was watching TV and sure enough, the klaxon goes off and it was unexpected, you know, because we practice and I, you know, I know when, it, when it's going to happen, you know, but um, it went off and I ran out to the jet. Got her started. It was about ready to taxi. I'm waiting for, you know, the message to come in to let me know exactly what's going on, you know, and uh, nothing came in. So I'm waiting. Nothing came in. And I was like, okay. So then we end up shutting down. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, and it apparently was a glitch. And, uh, you know, yeah. but, you know, I was like, man, that's a, that's a, that's a bad glitch, you know, that <laughs> that's a bad, bad glitch. glitch, you know, so some, some people have some explaining to do, but, uh, mm-hmm. but it happens, you know, uh, but we're always ready to go and ready to execute that mission. And if called upon, hopefully we never have to execute it cause it's going to be a really bad day if it, if it does. So that's yeah. a lot of the tours that I go on, mm-hmm. I've heard people say, you guys don't want to ever do your job. You exactly. just want to practice. Exactly. So that's that's good. Yep. I, I tell people on the tours whenever I'm going by, I say mm-hmm. they never want to do their job, and that's <laughs> fine with me. I exactly. don't want you to do your job either. I want you to just practice. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I wear a patch here on my on my right shoulder here, and you can read it, and it says at the top, Ben Nuke today, and on the bottom it says, you're welcome. You know? <laughs> I like so it. That means that we're doing our job, you know, every single exactly. day. So we don't have to actually execute it. So, right, yeah. right, so, right. Awesome. <laughs> so because Tinker's considered a sea duty, is Tinker mm-hmm. a prime location for your sailors? So a lot of Navy sailors, of course, want to be stationed at the beach, as you can imagine. <laughs> yes. Sure. You know, yes. you know, but we have the gorgeous beaches of Lake Hefner, Lake Thunderbird, <laughs> Stanley Draper. Right. Yeah. That's a beautiful right one here. Yeah. <laughs> so it is. But, you know, but it's kind of funny, though, you know, um, a lot of people is like, oh, man, I got to go do a tour in Oklahoma. <laughs> this They get here and they check in with, you know, check in with me. And, you know, I was like, well, welcome to Oklahoma City. You know, and there everybody's kind of got that look on their face and this and other. But it's funny, about a year later, they don't want to leave. They want to stay. We have so many sailors out here that end up coming to Oklahoma. Like, I mean, they came here 20 years ago, and they never have left because wow. they love Oklahoma so much. I'm going to be honest, Oklahoma has a, has a lot to offer between mm-hmm. the cost of living out here. And it, the people are very friendly. I can't even count how many times people have bought me breakfast or lunch, you know, um, you know, out, out here in, in town. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. But the headquarters is here for our mission. Um, and so, um, but I can't really say that it's the necessarily, you know, the Navy itself that's keeping folks here. I'm going to be honest with you. I, w- I would say it's a combination of both just being the friendliness of Oklahoma, um, Tinker Air Force Base, um, and, and partly definitely the mission that we do because it is, it is vitally important to, to our country. So right. it is. So true. Yeah. 
Can you talk a little bit about the partnership between the Navy and Air Force here at Tinker? Yeah, I mean, um, like Colonel Filchek, you know, has been here most of the, you know, definitely most of the time that I've been here, and, and he is awesome. I mean, um, uh, working with the base on, on a weekly basis, we do our, our phone calls. Um, I, I got got him, of course, my, in my cell phone. I can call, give him a call anytime I need to. And basically the, the base itself is, is always accommodating, definitely friendly, you know, uh, Navy friendly. Uh, for that matter, uh, on everything that's going on with our mission. They know that we're a Tier 1 mission. Mm-hmm. And then our medical staff, you know, most bases we actually have our own, you know, of course, Navy clinic, hospital, this, that, and mm-hmm. other. Now, we do have Navy uh, medical personnel here. I got, a, you know, uh, three flight doctors, got some um, some corpsmen, um, some HMs that are that are work for us. But, um, but the 72nd Med Group, you know, takes care of most of my, to be honest with you, most of my um, sailors, um, for that matter. Um, and just the support from the medical um, to uh, even the what, what we call a Navy-based fleet and fa- family service mm-hmm. um, center. But um, uh, we have the Airman's Attic here. You know, we have um, um, even the ID car. I mean, everything, you know, the Air Force right. has basically open arms. And we are, I'll be honest with you, I feel, um, and our Navy sailors do feel, a part of the base. I mean, we are a part of the base. We are one of their major tenant commands and, and mm-hmm. uh, everything that the base does they always include us which right. is awesome so yeah. it's good exactly yeah. yeah so do you get included in things like construction and quality of life topics do you get we to do. have your input good we do so they invite us to the meetings um uh, let us know exactly when the construction is going on who's in who's in charge of that right there and also get our inputs um, i send my facilities manager um, over to those particular meetings and things of that nature and and then also you know um, the the base is also always looking into the future of how much we're growing you know, the Navy has grown tremendously over the last decade, um, and even our personnel, of course, is bringing, we're bringing even more. So currently right now we're underneath a recap, which we're getting a new aircraft within the next t- 10 years oh, that's no. going to be coming to Tinker. Mm-hmm. And the footprint of us is going to grow sub- substantially. You know, the base is already looking at that and, and setting aside, you know, even some uh, pieces of land that we're going to need to expand to. Um, and so, uh, you know, having that, that uh, that that coordination and, and mm-hmm. definitely keeping those talks open. I mean, it's 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 uh, phenomenal that the base is always looking after all of its tenant commands. You know, definitely to include the Navy. So, I think that's pretty awesome to say because we're not a joint base. Yeah. Um, you know, like sir, you talked about a lot of bases going to that joint base concept, but exactly our partnerships here with yeah. different services like the Navy. It's just, it's, it's really, I mean, that does make up the team tinker, Oh yeah, you know, the team tinker concept. Definitely. Definitely. And truthfully with ALC being here as well, I mean, I can't forget about them. And so, I mean, they do a lot of our heavy depot maintenance here and, and it, how easy is it for me to just taxi an aircraft across the room? <laughs> right. <laughs> Instead of having right. to push it down the street. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. It, and I know, yeah. I know we, we didn't plan on talking about this, but I think, um, you guys have a reserve component here, is that correct? So yeah, there is a Navy reserve component. They don't fall under me because I'm the active, you know, unit here. But we do have a Navy reserve component. It's right off of Douglas on the uh, backside here of the base. Um, um, that I do know the OIC that's over that over that unit, and and so we do some events together. Like mm-hmm. so during our chief season every year. So. Great time for the Navy, you know, as you, I'm sure you remember there. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> well, the chief season is great. And so, you know, even when the, those, those Navy reservists get selected and now they're, they're going to get to go through, you know, uh, what we'll call, uh, what we used to call initiation, but it's not called initiation anymore. I think it's what we call it CPO 365, I think. It's, and so basically, the, you know, they go through those few weeks of, of training. So they'll, they actually come over and they'll go through with the active 
active duty unit. And so we work with them in that aspect. And then, of course, fundraisers and highway cleans up, cleanups and things of that nature that they'll come over and help, you know, help with and we'll help them with. So we, we maintain, you know, definitely close contact. So Awesome. Well, sir, um, I think with that, that we're going we're gonna to turn to and let you go get back, get back after it. And uh, gotcha. it's getting later in the day. And thanks so much for coming over. This is a, a yeah. great conversation. Uh, with that, that does bring uh, to end another edition of the Tinker Talks podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Please don't forget to check out our website, www.tinker.af.mil. And there's a COVID-19 tab on the, on the top of that website that you can get all of the latest news and updates on COVID-19. Um, also, please don't forget to check us out on social media. That's at T, uh, Tinker Air Force Base on Facebook and Instagram. And on Twitter, of course, that's at team underscore tinker. And so until next time, everybody, please be safe, uh, be kind and respectful to one another, and have a great day and a better week.